This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly, manly, I repeat, Warthog Man Cave. In the cold. of North Central Florida and God's country. And uh, we are really a little nippy today, about 47 degrees, according to my computers, outside the compound here. And uh, we may have a far and a far place tonight, which, you know, that's not all bad. That's not all bad. We need a little change of weather. Of course, Ted is over on the river. So if you see his teeth chattering, you'll know why. Uh, but he's a manly man also. Blustery. <laughs> Blustery. We're not talking about we're not talking about Ted. We're talking about the winds blustery, right? And uh, that's we right. Are, we are here with the early to <laughs> early to class students, and uh, we are, of course, uh, in the Melvin Law Studio. Melvin Law is the only official law firm partner of the uh, Fighting Gator, which was omitted from forty-two bowls. Eighty-four yep. other teams. Other than the Gators are going to a bowl. Oh, well, the devil made me say it. And, of course, we are protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention and sponsored by Shoot GTR, Great Range, um, good people out there. Bennett Latimer runs it. Style Cuts is a place to go. Get your hair cut if you got hair. And um, great guy, David Ratliff and his crew. And we'll go on and on and on. Well, we are here on a wonderful Wednesdays. I'm going to start calling them Wonderful Wednesdays with Ted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ha, wonderful. That, that. My wife might call that, too, because I'm, I'm, I'm out of her hair for an hour. <laughs> yeah, you're banished to the back porch. Uh, you can see that's that, right. that is his place on the river, which is evidently under construction and uh, smart enough to know that's framing behind him. And yep. uh, you may hear a... a uh, a nail gun go off now and then. I think I heard one a moment ago. But that's the beauty of it all. You are on the spot in Working Man's America. Well, I got a working man. Working man, a wonderful Wednesday with Working Man America. That's it. There it is, that's Ted. Right. You finally got it. Um, and Ted is the only guy, by the way, somebody squealed on him, who has had his arm all the way up at cow's, uh, um, you know what, and the other hand eating a donut. So I challenge you. I was practicing my professional trade. I was trained at, became very good at. I think, and uh, and I, I was hungry. <laughs> I think you told the truth. You were doing that because you were always late to wherever you were going. <laughs> anyway, Except the Ward Scott Files. Yeah, never been late to the Ward Scott Files. I'll tell you that right now. Well, well I, got to say, uh, I wish I could say that. Well, not much. I wish I could say that. I've been late checking in, but anyways. So you got a lot to talk about today, no doubt. Yeah, I got a special project uh, for our representative today. Uh, He sent me an email 
which went back to when he was actually roaming the halls of that hallowed place up there and had an opportunity to address, how shall I say it, Obamacare. Well, that piqued, Obamacare again. <laughs> that piqued my interest because all the stuff I've heard about Obamacare, the people we've interviewed, da-da-da-da-da, I still don't get it. I, I still don't know tax from no tax and, you know, what it's done for whom and who it's helped and who it hasn't. And, and I keep, keep hearing the same theme that for the most part, it's been bad for medical costs. And so I'm going to step back out of the way today. What I'd like for Ted to do, if he could, take us from the beginning to the end of his involvement with this thing, from the itch that he scratched to create a bill to all the way out to where we are, if you can. And that's a tall order, I know, Ted, but I know you can do it. Yeah, uh, no, I appreciate the opportunity. You know, you brought up Obamacare and you wanted to talk about uh, the bill we had. And I had it in conjunction with um, uh, Doug Collins out of Georgia, who he and I came in together. And Doug is just an incredible legislature. And he's a, he's a, a lawyer and he was a chaplain in the Army. Um, and we saw one of the fallacies of Obamacare. Number one, the whole Republican Party and half the nation railed against this thing. Um, if you go back pre-Obamacare, 85% of the people in America had health care. And let me explain. They either had it on their own and they were paying for it or through their employer or through the military, which would be their employer. And so 85% of Americans had health care. 15% didn't. Out of that 15%, it breaks down into thirds. A third of the people could afford it, but choose not to have health insurance. You know, they just said, we're just going to pay when we show up. And I know a lot of people like that. Uh, so that's a third. A third of the people, um, they they didn't, uh, they didn't they couldn't afford it. And a third of the people, those were the ones that they, they weren't going to do anything. They were just uh, the homeless and those kind of people. And so you had those three things. So. 85% of the people in America had health insurance. So what does government do? Instead of fixing it for the 15%, they come around and say, no, 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 this is, this is not right. We're going to give it to everybody, and the government's going to pay for it, which is really us paying for it. And uh, that's where we railed against this thing. And, of course, you know, how many times has the Republican Party tried to repeal this? I mean, it became a, a joke, I mean, rightly so. Because the leadership at that time was John Boehner. And, of course, Kevin McCarthy was number two in there. Um, and they, they, uh, they, they acted like they were going to repeal it, but they never did. Uh, there were four or five replacement plans. Tom Price had one out of Georgia. Phil Rowe out of Tennessee had a, a good replacement plan. And um, it would have been good planning. But go back to how this happened. And I want to go back to even Ronald Reagan. He said, if the government takes over your health care, the game's over. And and I remember that very uh, succinctly when he said that. It was in the 80s. And um, then comes Obama. And Obama's thing is not about health care. It's about government control. And, you know, uh, you're going to hear me rail on this over and over again. And, um, you know, if you go back to Obama, 
he said this the, the the Affordable Care Act doesn't go far enough. He goes, ideally, we want a single payer system, which is the European socialist style, which is falling apart. If you look at the National Institute of Health in England, uh, it's it's a plan that's it's broken. It can't it can't perform. You know, there's health care, but it may take you six months to a year to see a doctor and get something done. And so the Republican Party railed against this. We failed. Um, and there was an entity created called uh, PBMs, Pharmacy Benefit Managers. This is something that came out of nowhere, but it, yet it, well, the language was in the, the Affordable Care Act um, that said uh, they'll create this entity, Pharmacy Benefit Managers. This sounds like a good thing. They're going to manage the drug distribution in America, the legal drugs. Uh, who knows? They may be doing the illegal stuff. Um, and what it does is it places phar- uh, pharmaceutical companies and insurance companies in the middle between the doctor and him writing a prescription or her writing a prescription going to the patient. And so this entity, PBMs, pharmacy benefit managers, would take that prescription and says, oh, no, you can't go to the to the local independent pharmacy because they don't they they don't have the volume. So we want you to go to the big Walgreens, CVS, the big drug stores. And what would happen is these PBMs push so much volume to the large stores that there was a lot of revenue created. And there was, I don't want to call it a kickback, but basically that's what it was. There was a lot of money made and that money would go to the performing doctors that sent uh, and hospitals that sent patients their way. And it drove up the cost. Uh, it drove up the cost of our pharmaceuticals. And, um, you know, and this is something that's been in place ever since. And it's funny now, Elizabeth Warren is liberal and, and off base as she is. She's finally woken up to the to the what PBMs are and how they're driving up the cost. So here you had somebody that's a big proponent um, of Obamacare. And, oh, it's people's rights and this and that. We can get into that because I don't think it's. I think everybody has the right to have health care, but I don't think it's the right of the, or the role of the federal government. And if you go back to the Constitution, it's not of giving health care. But here, Elizabeth Warren, Harvard PhD professor and all that, you know, just highly educated, a little bit Indian in her, I think. Uh, so she used to claim she um, was one of the, her. Um, what's his name? Um, Bernie Sanders, I mean, all the liberal senators, all for Obamacare, and probably about a third of the Republicans, too. And they get this bill in. Now, that was in 2010, I think it was. And remember how this bill came about. Nobody read the bill. Those are the infamous words of Nancy Pelosi. We have to pass it to see what's in it and how it's going to work. 2,600 pages. 2,600 pages. If you put that stack of paper on the floor and it went up, it was about seven and a half, eight feet tall. That's a yeah, and um, and so nobody read this bill, and it came in. And there's a couple things that come out of this word. One is when we pass legislation, when not, when Congress passes legislation that is so onerous, voluminous that nobody reads and understands, and it gets put into place. And you saw the fight that the Republicans did ever since it got in to try to get rid of it. And it, it doesn't go away. Now it's stuck in there. It is part of the system. 
and we have all these bad things and people say, well, we'll get it passed and then we'll fix it. That'll never happen. If it gets passed, it's there to stay. And uh, now you got Elizabeth Warren waking up to the reality that this was a bad thing. This is not good. And truth be known, there's people today that have about 15% of the people, 15 to 20% of the people that don't have health insurance. And uh, the cost of the premiums, you know, the, the, the uh, I forget what they call them, the co-pays that you have to do on Obamacare, they've gone up so much that a lot of people can't afford it. So here's something that got put in place. Government takes over control um, of health care. And I want to go back to Again, 85% of the people had health care, and the government comes in, and they, they screw up the system, and it's for government control. Um, and then you go fast forward to the COVID pandemic. Now you've got government in control of health care, and they're saying, you got to wear a mask. you got to social distance. You can't handshake. You can't group gather. Um, reports come out, ivermectin and uh, hydroxychloroquine are effective. Well, government's in control of healthcare, and they attack those people coming out. And I think this is a dangerous, I don't want to say precedent, because it's not the first time government's taken control. I mean, look at education. Government comes in, they take control of the sector, and then they go after the people that are the outliers that don't believe in that. And um, with the heavy hand of this administration, weaponizing the IRS, the Justice Department, the FBI, all the agencies, uh, Department of Labor and all those. Um, it's a very precarious situation in America. And I think it's divided us, us against them. And them are the Marxist liberal progressives, uh, the AOCs, the uh, all the nut jobs you see in there today on the left. Excellent, excellent uh, analysis there. I was going to get around to asking you, you know, I went back the other day just out of this, did you hear drink the Kool-Aid thing? went back and looked at the Reverend Jones or whatever his name was in the uh, jungle there that literally gave him the cute Kool-Aid that, you know, was so, I mean, wow, was it effective? I don't know, four or 500 of them died. But what in the world happens to the brainstem of people when they're that Congress? Uh, Why would they just do you hear different terms. I know you you can't answer it, but group think and herd mentality. Uh, I know that Pelosi was a threatening person. She would actually threaten people. Oh, yeah. Do what she wanted Very. them to do. And uh, uh, now, yeah. of course, there's all this bad. You and I have looked at it, uh, a prep being put out on Johnson, um, or the guy that's in there now. I've got his name right, Mark. Um yeah, Mike yeah. Johnson. Yeah, they're Mike John- They're out after him to paint him as some radical when he is not nearly like Pelosi. Um, so what happened to the bill then? You sponsored the bill, and what happened to it? We brought that bill up multiple Congresses. Doug and I were in there. He ran for Senate in that last Congress, so he left um, about a half a term before you know, that last term. Uh, we could never garner enough support on the Republican side. We would pass it. I think it passed one or two times in the House, but then it would die either in committee or it would die at the Senate. 
And I have to, you know, I know how John Boehner was, and I can only assume Paul Ryan was of the same um, uh, genetic makeup politically, and Kevin McCarthy. We had bills that the House would vote on favorably, you know, a large majority. And when it got to Boehner, and Boehner presents it to the Senate, he would tell the Senate majority leader, don't let this see the light of day. So you have your own leadership working against bills that the members of Congress wanted. And I know that was part of it. And of course, that pressure comes from pharmaceutical companies, insurance companies. It comes from the um, the upper echelons of the elite political base. And keep in mind, you know, at the upper levels of politics, it's not Republicans or Democrats. It's the party of big government. They want to protect the status quo. And the status quo is corporations, insurance companies, ph- pharmaceuticals. And those are the things that really, really need to be broken up. And, um, you know, that's where I saw Trump somewhat um, willing to do those things, although he was way off base on the bill that Paul Ryan and Rents Priebus and Steve Scalise and Kevin McCarthy tried to get us to vote on for the replacement of Obamacare. And I dug my heels so that absolutely not because it doesn't get rid of it. it. It really locked it in even further. And um, Trump was misled by those people. Interesting. So Trump was not on his game on that one. Um, no, I mean, it was right in the very beginning when he came in. So uh, he didn't Tom know the right hand yet. He didn't, he didn't no, know the right hand yet. You win. You think everybody that comes up and is congratulating you is your friend. And uh, Got you. You, they have a political agenda. And it's like you said, what happens to people when they get up there? Well, you, you got to look at who they are. People like Paul Ryan. I mean, he's he's on the board of uh, Fox News now. And I remember I had a conversation with uh, President Trump. He, he had called me and we were talking and he goes, Fox News has changed. He goes, I don't know what happened with him. I says, I can tell you. He goes, what's that? I said, Paul Ryan's on their on their board. And it was so funny because he paused. He goes, that's right. He is. And that's when it started changing. These people, they're in power somehow, I don't know if they're tied into the WEF, the World Economic Forum, wanting to bring America down to its knees so it's not the controlling superpower in the world. You know, they want everybody to fall in line. You know, you've got people out there that are talking about there's limited resources and there's an expanding population and those things are going to intersect. And when they do, uh, life will be unsustainable on the planet. And I I don't agree with that. You know, you get around people that have a pie, a successful business, and you always have people picking at it and say, well, I want to take part of your pie. You know, if you've got like um, like a Sonny's franchise and he he, he owned the, the barbecue and then you had that other the other barbecues come in and everybody's competing, trying to take part of the pie, you know, grow the pie bigger and everybody can benefit from that. And that's capitalism. And that's where you share with your employees and, you know, you, you just create a better product and that creates competition in the marketplace. And if you have competition, you know, prices go down. And this goes back to Obamacare. Um, prior to Obamacare, I forget how many insurance companies there were. I'm going to say 600. After Obamacare, it went down precipitously. And uh, and so what happens, you get this big pool of competition of insurance companies. But when you get government controlling things and saying, no, we're going to play by these rules, and then you put in the pharmacy benefit manager, PBMs, it shrinks down 
competition, and you can see this with Obamacare, look for an independent pharmacy store, uh, a pharmacist anymore. You know, they were everywhere in the countryside. But when Obamacare came and PBMs came, it shrunk them down. We saw this in the banking sector. Um, there was all you and I've talked about this before. You'd go into your local bank. You knew the people. They knew you. They knew your family. They knew your parents. And so they would give you a loan based on who you were, and, you know, your credibility. But through the banking deregulation under Reagan and you have all this other nonsense that's happened since then, um, it's driven the small community banks out. There were used to be like 16,000 community banks before um, probably, I think it happened, started happening under Bush and then Clinton or Clinton, Bush, Clinton and Bush. And then um, under Obama, it, it just, they went away. And so now you've got very few uh, small community banks. They're all the big banks, you know, the, the Sun Trust got taken over by Truist. You know, you go back to Barnett, which is a big bank in the Gainesville area, they're gone and everything consolidates. And so you have less options and then you get companies like um, Chase, um, you know, um, uh, the big the big banks that dictate and control credit cards, interest rates on credit cards, penalties on late payments. And you lose competition. And when you lose competition, the spoils go to the people that are left and they start dictating. And uh, our fear is that this will continue with telecommunications. It's already happening with Google and the, the Internet. You've got a few players and they dictate the terms. If government doesn't come in there and say, you guys are too big and, and break up the monopolies of these things. Um, and, and again, you get these people that go into Washington um, a lot of them are real malleable. They're, you can change them. And if you have, and they change them by, hey, you're, you're doing a good job. We're going to put you on this A committee and we'll make you a chairman, but you have to do things our way. And, um, you know, those are the bones they throw at people to get them to play. I guess that's that, that phrase, uh, pay to play. You know, as long as you play the game with them, you're one of them. And then I think over a period of time, people start thinking they're important <laughs> and they think, wow, I'm really smart. And it's no, it's not. You've been you've been a, a lackey is what you've been. And you follow rules and, and they're putting you in a place that they can control you. And um, that's what I think happened. You know, that's a long explanation, but I hope that helped. Well, what what I was deducing as you were talking was, oh, um, it sounds as if the way in which Obamacare has been um, insulated from reason. God, I like that phrase. Where did I come up with that? Um, I don't know. You're pretty good this morning. You must it, have had a cup of coffee. Isn't that amazing? It must, be, must be the cold weather. Caliber coffee exactly. and Mr. Right cup. Um, That's right. Insulated from reason seems to be the way in which Congress runs. Insulated from reason, that could be part of it, but I think it's ego and ambition ah, and character. willing to change your character, willing to let your character slip a little bit for personal gain. Really? There's that much of that there? Oh, I know people right now that are serving um, in Florida that it's the accolades, it's the pin, it's uh, – it's, um, um, you know, look at me. I'm important. 
no, you're not. You're just like everybody else. You just chose to do something different. And, uh, you know, you've always got to remember your, 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 uh, your roots and where you come from. And I know there's probably times where I failed at that and think I was important at some points, but, um, um, you know, I had my, I, my wife and kids kept me as humble as they could. <laughs> well, you know, a plantation Mark says that Walmart and CVS are no longer handling prescriptions for the military. Uh, only the VA or express scripts. Um, now, why do you think that is? I don't know. I guess it's the uh, consolidation of of um. It's it's money. because the VA could um, they they wanted to be able to negotiate their prices, but it didn't fall into the PBMs, and so the big drug company are like, "Ah, oh, we're not dealing with you anymore because you're not playing the game the way we want to." And see, this is where the government. I think should really force their hands because it is the VA. It is the government health care plan for the VA. And um, um, yeah, one of the biggest providers of health care in the country. And um, they should be able to get a better price on deals. But if they've got to go through the PBMs and, and, uh, and they don't want to go through the PBMs, I can see those, uh, uh, big pharmacy saying, no, we're not letting you, we're not dealing with you anymore. And this is where government should really intervene in making sure the marketplace is fair, um, uh, that there's competition, that there can be competition because competition, number one, makes the product better, whether it's insurance, uh, healthcare, it makes it better and it drives the cost down. Well, I think it's going the opposite direction. Oh, it is. And yeah. it, you know what it does? It drives customer service up with competition because if you make a product and I make the identical product, you sell yours for a dollar and I sell mine for a dollar, we can go down a little bit, but there's a point where you can't afford to sell it because it costs you more to produce it. So what's going to make people go to your store versus my store? You know, maybe it's customer service. Hey, welcome here. You know, and this is something we've lost with you know, you look at your Home Depot, your Lowe's, Walmarts, you know, they've supplanted, um, displaced the local hardware stores. And the local hardware stores, would, you know, they knew you. And if you forgot your wallet, they say, hey, Lord, don't worry about it. You know, come back tomorrow or whenever you come back and pay your bill. But you go to Home Depot and try that. You can't do that unless you're a minority and you want to go in there and shoplift or just I ain't paying and, lift and run out with the stuff and they'll let you do that. Um, but that's what's happened with customer service because as things get some consolidated, the little stores go out and one of the things they, they prided themselves was on customer service, knowing their customers. And we've lost that. And this is the same thing with healthcare. And I was talking to a doctor and he says, the doctors allowed themselves to be taken out of healthcare, And this was back when I first got into Congress. I said, how's that? He goes, when you, when you used to go to the doctor, he goes, what did you used to get? And I said, I don't know. And he goes, you used to get an estimate. And I said, you're right. I said, we give an estimate when I was a veterinarian. You go out to see somebody's animal and you'd say, this is what I think they have. These are the tests I would do. This is the cost. And I would give them plan A, plan B, B. Plan C and A would be the more expensive one because we were doing a battery of tests and things like that. Plan C would probably get your animal through the condition. Um, and it's like, 
we're, we'll, this is what I think he has, we'll do this. And he goes, with the human side, what happened is they used to give you an estimate, but when the insurance companies got involved, he goes, when was the last time a doctor even talked to you about the expense of an, a procedure? He says, you go in, you sign in, you give them your blue card, your insurance card, and then they call you back, they do the work, and you don't have a clue what it costs until you get your your copay payment. And um, and he says the doctors allowed themselves to be taken out of the out of the formula. And and I remember when I was in Congress, they were talking about a replacement to Obamacare, and I stood up in the conference, you know, in front of my two hundred and thirty some colleagues, and I ah. says, I got a solution, and they said, What's that? I said, why don't we do the veterinary model? And, of course, they broke out laughing like, you moron, you know, where'd you come from? And <laughs> I let them have their laugh, and I said, no, seriously. I said, they come in, we diagnose, we give them an estimate, we do this. I says, when was the last time you got an estimate from your doctor? <laughs> and I know people paid attention to that, but we didn't get far enough because it's uh, there's that two-year window in their ward, and everything operates on two years up there. The first year, they'll get some work done. The second year, it's all focused on getting reelected and um, raising money. And, um, you know, I hear these people say, oh, you're really working hard. Yeah, they are. They're flying around the country giving speeches in Delaware or Iowa or New Hampshire and raising funds instead of working and solving our nation's problems. And that's why I'm so against these people raising all kinds of money because it's for their own benefit. It's not... If somebody's up in Iowa or Delaware or New Hampshire raising money, how's that serving my, my constituents? And that goes into, you know, how do people change? They change because of the pin, of the accolades, and, and they think they're, they're doing something. All they're doing is being busy. They're doing busy work. I got my guard dog here. You got a big guard dog here, yeah. Yeah, he's about, 12, about 15 pounds. <laughs> Talking with Ted Yoho, and he gave a great, really, uh, analysis here of Obamacare and the process that, uh, well, we won't say enables Congress to get things done. I don't know what they do. I really am grown, um, like you, Ted, a little more frustrated. You were actually there. Um, but I think it's even worse for those of us. When I get back, I want to maybe pick up on that. You know, it's a perfect segue, it seems to me, um, about January 6th. You know, those people who did, you know, got carried away, they were so frustrated. They were so burnt out, so used and abused. And I, when I get back, I want to just sure. summarize that a little bit. We've got to take a weather break here. And, um, you know, it's very dangerous what's been ha- what's been done to them, I think, for the country. I mean, uh, the, the prosecutor. Our constitutional never- Republic, it is. It is, uh, it, it's, uh, it's very tragic. It's very life-threatening to the Constitutional Republic. And, uh, you know, people need to wake up, and we hope we don't wake up too late. And the prosecutors have no admission of their culpability in it at all. Absolutely act as right. if they're pure as the quote-unquote driven snow. I'm talking Ted Yoho, who is um, having a cup of caliber coffee. Caliber coffee has a big yep. sale now, also all around from that mission. Listen, we'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Stay tuned for Ward's weather when we come back.
Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Uh, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Welcome back to Ward's Weather, by golly, brought to you by Lewis Oil. Chevron stations, fossil fuel, 49 degrees right now, going up to 62 degrees, going down, are you ready for this? 35 degrees here. So we'll no doubt have a little far in a far place, and we've already hauled some hay in, because when it gets cold, those cattle want their bellies full, and they get around that ring, and they don't leave it, and so you better be there. Or you'll be, they'll be looking at you over the fence, wondering where you are. So that, that's the way we live out here when we got animals. By the way, John Kerry thinks their flatulence is killing the rest of us with methane gas. I'm, I'm like, come on. I mean, I don't know how much more of this we have to suffer. But uh, uh, basically, it's just cold and it's going to be chilly for a little while and uh, get over it. Enjoy it. Well, we're talking with Ted Yoho, who is not chattering yet with teeth, chattering, but he is kind of tucked away in a... I'm drinking uh, my caliber coffee. Drinking his caliber coffee by the river. Uh, 
And we're having a great talk about how dysfunctional Congress is. If you're just tuning in, you need to go back and check uh, our discussion or his discussion about Obamacare. Uh, But we've got similar situations going on in Congress all the time. Um, And of which Obamacare is kind of a roadmap, if you will, a blueprint for how this committee structure stuff works. Um, You know, um, Oh, oh, Ken Hilliard, the buddy up in Atlanta, says you're sitting in Ted's man cave. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, I suppose so. His wife has banished him to the port. So he is in, that's a way to get your dignity back, Ted. You're in Ted's <laughs> man cave. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm a crew of one and my dog. <laughs> yeah, and his guard dog, his 15 yeah. pound guard dog. So uh, looking at the chat line here to see if you think. Is on the minds of our students. And uh, there we are. Let me check it out real quickly. Well, that was great, Ted. On the, on the, I'm afraid, though, of that um, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And what we were talking about. Going to get more better? Yeah. What we were talking about on the break, Ted and I, January 6th fiasco. Unfortunately, I can't get it out of my mind. I've got a summary here. I'm not going to dig it out of the first lie that was told, Ted, about Trump by government in 2016. Weren't you around then in in Washington when that happened? Yeah, sure was. What? What the uh, heck? What? Did, what? I mean, let me hear you talk about it. <clears throat> Well, again, you'll hear me promote this video. It's a plot against the president. It is the best best summation and timeline chronologically of what happened. And the January 6th um, event gathering, I don't want to call it a protest. It was a protest, but it was not an insurrection. Um, again, if you go back to that documentary, A Plot Against the President, that was the insurrection. That was the coup d'etat against the Trump administration. And I can only think that you go back to Obama, we're going to fundamentally transform America. He had eight years to get everything in place. He did a lot of damage, i.e. Obamacare, um, taking over government control. It wasn't about health care. It was government control. And And so you've got eight years of that. Hillary Clinton was supposed to win. Trump was the spoiler. And as, and when he announced, everybody thought it was a joke that, you know, this is just more bravado from Trump and being the showman. Uh, But as he started to gain ground, they saw a threat and the Obama administration, uh, okayed wiretaps and surveillance on Trump under the guise that they're, was collusion between Trump and Russia. And so this was the narrative. And of course, all those things came out, the Steele dossier, how Trump was having a affair or soiree with a bunch of Russian women and urinating in the beds. I just, just raunchy stuff. And this was all paid for after the investigations through um, um, fusion, whatever it was, that was part of the Democratic Party that the Podesto group was behind and clipped. Hillary Clinton campaign was behind. 
And this was all proven to be false. And Adam Schiff and all these people had all these smoking guns that were irrefutable proof that Trump had colluded. Three and a half years later, after the Mueller report, of course, Congress flipped hands and the Republicans were in charge there for a short period of time. Um, And they did their investigations. Devin Nunes, you know, and Mike Turner on the Intelligence Committee, um, they, they came out and there was no collusion. Mueller said there was no collusion. And so the left just kept trumping up, pardon the pun, bringing up charges wherever they could. You know, they've got the RICO charges going on in Georgia now on Trump. You know, they're doing any and everything they can to go after this guy, like he's John Gotti or something like that. And uh, they don't want him in there. And so this leads to January 6th, you know, after the election. And uh, I'm going to use a word that you'll probably get in trouble for. It starts with, and I'm not going to do that. Yeah, um, go ahead. F-bomb. <laughs> no, if, if you go back to the election night, I remember because we were at the social because we had won our race. And um, Trump was ahead in all these states. And he was ahead in the six contested states. And I want people to realize, and remember this, go back to that. Counting stopped about 1030 in those six states. It was Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada, Michigan, and uh, maybe Wisconsin. So there's six states where Trump's winning by a pretty large margin. Counting stopped. They suspended it. All six states. And I remember Brett Baer saying, um, um, they've, they've uh, suspended counts for the night. You know, everybody go to bed. Everything will be fine. And then the next morning, those numbers reversed. And so there was fraud in my, my, my opinion. And, you know, they said, well, the court said there was no, no evidence of fraud. There's evidence. But if it's not admitted into the court of law, there is no evidence. So it can be right here in front of you. And if there's no evidence, if it's not presented to the court, and in fact, I had a very good friend of mine, he was the Tea Party, um, head of the Tea Party in, in uh, uh, um, Dixie County. Uh, he wound up going to jail uh, because he had done a, a citizen's uh, a petition, an arrest against, I think it was Rick Scott, the, the sheriff there. And he had to go to court. And I'm telling you this because he went to the court, represented himself. The judge called his name. Um, is was this person present? He got up present, sir. And the judge looks at the bailiff, says, uh, bailiff, mark that uh, Terry Trussell is not here. And Terry goes, I'm right here, Your Honor. And again, the guy, the judge goes, Well, Terry so and so step uh, present themselves to the course. He says, I'm right here, Your Honor. Bailiff. Uh, make a note that the second time he has not presented himself to the court. What you're supposed to do is you're supposed to approach the bench. So here the guy is in, in the courthouse verbally saying, I'm here, but he didn't go through the proper procedure. And so the judge, this thing wound up, this guy went to jail for seven years. They find this guy for going to jail for seven years to overstep his, his um, citizen grand jury. He was the foreman of the grand jury. He died in prison. Because he wasn't getting in this medication. He was a grandfather. He was a Vietnam vet. But he didn't play the game. And this is what's going on with the, all the stuff around Trump. The evidence is there. 
But if it's not presented to the where the judge will accept it, there's no evidence. And so there was fraud. And, you know, I just think, you know, in fact, I just came out and endorsed Trump and it was in the one of the Washington newspapers um, just because, you know, I feel this thing was taken from him. And I think it was taken from the American people, more importantly. And I think he'll go in there, um, you know, with all the bombastic stuff around him. I'm OK with that because we're at a, an inflection point in our country where things need to be shaken up. And I'd rather us be the ones shaking it up than Joe Biden going through that you're seeing with the prosecutor, Jack Smith, wanting to access everything from January 6th and take all that information and then start their hit list on people that were MAGA supporters and things like that. You got um, um, uh, Trudeau, what's his name up there, Justin Trudeau in Canada, saying the problem in the Canadian elections and politics is because of the MAGA supporters. This is something, there's a hatred for these people. Of course, Justin Trudeau is part of the World Economic Forum. He's one of those elites that they're grooming to be one of those people that kind of control. And think of what they did in Canada with the farmers and the truckers. You know, the truckers that were uh, protesting what was going on with the farmers back was a year, year or two ago. And they roadblocked everything. Um, and there was a GoFundMe play pages. He shut all that down. He went after these truckers. He destroyed them. And again, he's part of that that cabal. That's probably a longer dialogue than you want. No, I mean that's absolutely right on. And we got a breaking news there that you've endorsed Trump. Breaking news, as they say on all the other places, you know. But um, that's right, it is. Yeah, breaking news, by golly. And it's real breaking news. But um, I should have sent you the link. Yeah, send it to me later. We'll put it up. Well, I did. As I was saying, and you echoed it, across the prosecution side of this equation is not admitting its culpability, even its guilt and its behavior. They actually, as you pointed out, were the insurrectionists by violating the Constitution, by violating the public trust, by lying repeatedly to the American people. You know, I really do believe the average, this is kind of to the heart of voting, the concept of an average man voting. The average man does have a built-in crap detector. I think the yeah. average man is, has ability to put up with a lot of crap because he's got his own life to do. Sure. But if you push him to the breaking point, which some of these guys were Vietnam and, and other, bat, other heroes of other wars for us that sure. were there. And they've been pushed to the... But you see, those guys have seen this chaos by the government in the wars they were in already. They know they don't yeah. trust them. They don't trust them. Um, if you want to find a whole bunch of these guys, go down to the Ocala National Forest. <laughs> I'm serious. No, I know exactly what you're saying. The a good buddy people. of mine was a sheriff of, of Marion County. One of the toughest things to patrol in Marion County is Ocala National Forest. Because those guys, they're kind of the equivalent of the people back in the 
1800s who went to the Everglades to get away because nobody had the ability to go to the Everglades. So they just left them alone. Well, nobody wants yeah. to go into the Ocala. I'm going to show you the Ocala National Forest. They don't want to go in the Ocala National Forest and deal with these guys, you know? And, and uh, No, they're um, they're off the grid for a reason. Yeah, they just want to be left alone. But by golly, a lot of these kind of characters had had enough. And, and um, you know, doing what I do, I get a lot of information. I know a lot of people, a lot of stuff I don't talk about. I've had guys come to me who are those type of people who are just fed up. They don't trust any of the institutions and they think things are going to get a lot worse. And you, you take a look at this guy who runs Homeland Security. Well, that's a joke. Isn't that a joke? Isn't that a joke? Yeah. Uh, They need to bring that up for, um, for an impeachment and get rid of that clown. Um, I mean, that guy. You know, what you were just talking about, case in point, Carolyn and I were working on the house, um, I think it was Friday or Saturday. This guy shows up about five o'clock driving a Porsche, you know, the, the SUV Porsche, brand new one. <clears throat> and uh, he gets out. He's, he goes, wow. He goes, you mind if I walk around your place and ask some questions? Nice guy. He was an investment banker and now he's doing documentaries. Uh, he was he worked with the people that did uh, um, the journey of freedom, um, you know, the human trafficking one. And he he got talking about, yeah, I'm thinking about moving to the river. He goes, things just don't feel right. He goes, I kind of like the idea of being on the river because you always have food and water. Um, you know, I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, the way things are, he goes, things just. I feel there's something's going to happen. And he goes, I want to be able to be self-sufficient. And so here's a guy, a wealthy guy looking to buy property because of what you just said, you know, uh, he's feeling the same thing. And this guy is confiding in me, somebody he doesn't know. And we just got talking about that. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing that and hearing it more and more from people. Well, I asked my mother one time, as you may recall, she lived to be 107 and a half, and she uh, came through the Depression. And I said, Mother, how'd you all do it? She said, well, we didn't have money, but we had gardens. We had food. And what they basically did is they all kind of co-opt. They'd move into the houses together. Um, they would create a kind of a co-op garden and that's how they made it. They didn't have money. They couldn't go buy things. And guess what they can they can stuff. They can yeah. Yeah. They made things by hand. They even entertained themselves too. Um I remember in my family and I didn't see it because I wasn't born yet, but they all played a musical instrument. And I said, Mother, how'd you all entertain? Oh, we'd roll the rug up and have a dance. And Pop yeah. played the fiddle, and I played the piano, and, you know, that's what we did. It is. It, and, and, next door and, to sing. Well, you, you think of every, every generation, every 60 to 70 years goes through a major conflict. 
you know, the Vietnam War has been over, Afghanistan, Iraq, you know, those are 20 years ago. Well, the end of it just happened under Biden, which I'm thankful he ended it. I don't like how he ended it. Um, that's another discussion. But this generation now, they weren't around for 9-11. They don't remember the Vietnam War. Uh, people being born now don't remember Afghanistan and Iraq. And then to, to really mess it up, you look at the garbage being on uh, shown on TV. Disney's finally admitted that they're out of the woke business, that they've lost too much revenues, they're going to go back to basics. So that's something we can credit Governor DeSantis on, you know, to have that challenge with them um, or to call them out on that bogus thing they, they said he had the, the don't say gay bill. And, and so this generation now has don't remember anything that's happened in the recent past. They've got all this stuff on TV and then you throw in the internet and all the garbage on that. They are not, they don't know how to cope with what you were saying. If things get bad, how do you deal with that? How do you grow garden? How do you, how do you do these things? And God forbid we ever have to go through that. Um, but I think it's always something that we should be able to know how to do. And you're talking about how did they know? This goes back to the innate things that were passed down from generations to generations. Some of those things we were born with, that would be the innate. The other things are what your parents teach you. And um, that's why, again, going back to your show, it's so important that the message goes out. But I hope it's not just going to the people in the, in the choir. I hope. People say, hey, you need to listen to this. We need to read this. And that's why I like to talk about a lot of the books I'm reading, um, just so people might say, hey, I'm going to read that. I had a guy call me up the other day, says, man, that book you told me about, this uh, Miracle of Freedom, because that's an awesome book. And, uh, you know, he was thanking me for it because it was so accurate in what's going on and how fleeting the, the freedom and liberties we have that, you know, we've got to be reminded that these things aren't free, that we fought for, somebody else fought for, somebody else paid a price for. And if we don't hold on to this, we're going to lose it. And shame on us. You know, people like to sit around and uh, bitch, moan, and complain about how bad everything is. Well, yeah, it is. If you look at it that way, but what are you doing to change it? I had a guy here yesterday, he was saying about that. And I, he goes, I just don't know what to do. I said, run for office. Oh, no, no, I could never do that. I'm like, we're complaining now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, we certainly do our best, I hope, uh, to keep people involved. We spread the word as much as we can, and I hope the people who watch spread it through their link. Uh, I'm always surprised pleasantly when I go somewhere and somebody, I don't know, really, and say, oh, I listen to you every day. I think, really? I said, I'll be damned. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's good. You know, oh, that's good. Because they do need to have. I know you're being listened to in Bolivia. I got somebody watching you in Bolivia. Oh, you do? Oh, boy. Yeah. 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 Well, production keeps track of all that stuff. I have no idea. I just uh, try to keep us going here with relevant information. I think today's show was very helpful because you are the insider. Uh, you talked about the process. You applied it to a particular issue that they could identify with. And um, that issue is it's not going to go away, unfortunately. I think we're stuck with it. No, it's not. And you know, medical, you don't hear, you don't hear any of the Republicans. Yeah, medical you stuff is getting – every doctor I know 
is complaining about yeah. about the medical profession. Not that's not good. That's not good. Um, I've no, done a couple not. stories on it. Uh, we have a na- national booking agent who once in a while books a, a doctor for us. Um, I have friends that are doctors that have been on the show. Um, they're all frustrated. And um, now wokeism has invaded the medical school. Oh, terribly. And we, as I say, we need to pursue this a little bit um, if we can with, you, with your help because um, of some of your political contacts and education. I, I, I'm so glad that the board of trustees chose SAS to be a president and he came from something other than the academic yeah. uh, pool. That's a point on that. He came from the political pool as a conservative. You said he was and you knew him and and he's got a history major. He has a doctorate in history. Do you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's got a he got a degree. You know, I think it's a doctorate in history. So yeah. he's one of the, he's one of the, he's been there. You know, he knows what they're like. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, he, you know, and, and you know, we got this whole world of of, of crime that we um, see getting worse and worse, and wokeism has invaded it. My problem with uh, DeSantis is that. I know he's our backup. I kind of feel like he's our backup. Right. If things really get, if the other side prevails with this crazy, you know, bogus legal trap, um, and Ron will do okay. But I, I think that he doesn't have the flair and everything that, of course, Trump has to, and all the branding and all that stuff, which Trump is a master at. But I think he knows. You correct me if I'm wrong. He's been around government enough to know, you know, where the where the bad where the bad boys are. He does, but <clears throat> is he willing to go against that? Again, when I look back, when we had a chance to unseat Boehner, he was on the phone call, and uh, I, that's the night I got nominated to run against Boehner. I didn't volunteer for that until I got challenged because nobody else would. He had a chance to vote against them. He didn't. Uh, there were several times he had an opportunity to do that. And I don't want to say act like I'm running him down. I'm just questioning, will he stand up and do these things? I think he's done a great job for the state of Florida. And that's why I endorsed Trump, because he needs to stay the governor of Florida. That's what I voted for. I didn't yeah. vote for him to be a candidate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in four years, let's look at it and see where he is. Uh, but I want him to finish up the job he started here. Um, but when it comes time to go against the establishment, are you willing to do that? And it's not just to go against the establishment to go against them, but to go against them because the policies are wrong that are leading this country in the wrong direction. You know, uh, the budget, the debits, uh, the omnibus bills they vote on, the CRs, you know, these, you know these things are wrong. Why will you support them? And, um, you know, there were sometimes I, I, the majority of the time I stuck to my guns. There were sometimes I did cave in on, on a few things, but it wasn't many. Um, you could ask Lloyd Bailey and he, he could tell you every time I did. And I appreciated that because, you know, sometimes you're between a rock and a hard place and uh, yeah. you, you, well, you got to do what you can to keep the wheels rolling. Yeah. Um, anyways. 
But we're out of time, Ted. I hope you had a um, – I know you did. You were really on a roll today. You, you uh, gave us a great analysis. Oh, you um, make it easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, You make a hard job look easy. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, good students, thanks for coming to class today and spread the word. Right. Uh, we will be back uh, the rest of the week, hopefully. The creeks uh, don't rise, the Lord's willing. And we'll see Ted in a week, hopefully. And um, we'll wish you the best today and stay warm. And if you got a fire tonight, you might have to have one. Build one outside, by golly, and gather around with uh, maybe a beverage of adult, adult beverage, just to stay a little toasty. So um, I didn't say that. Yeah, I didn't say that. Yeah. All right. Have a great day. Well, I you'll pick up a new sponsor that way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. We'll All get right. To see Y'all you take care. Well, now, Command Center, out. <laughs>